welcome to the Political Party Pooper Playbook. And if you thought all we did was sit around thinking up ways to poop on empty suit politicians, well, you'd be half right. Energy, a huge part of the 11 points. All the other points intersect here. I've been teasing this episode for a few weeks now as I move through the 11 points. Energy and how we handle it over the next year or two has the most far-reaching impact on whether we thrive through the global demographic decline or we destroy ourselves. Without a diverse energy industry, there will be no transportation, no food, no economy, no reinventing an industrial America. As with all of the 11 points, if we fail this, the rest won't matter. But as a linchpin, energy stands out as the most critical. Or so it seems as I write this. But really, if you go through the list so far, you can easily see that without any one of the issues solved or heavily squelched, you don't have any of the other issues mastered at least not to the extent that we still have a viable nation. But there are one or two of which it can be said that if you don't have these, you don't get any of the rest at all. In an advanced industrial society, energy shouldn't be an issue. We know what to do to produce the energy we need, but we have endangered ourselves through our collective retardation on the subject. How did that happen? Let's start with a different example of damaged thinking. In a previous segment, I spoke of our maturity problem and how woke took hold in this country. In an interview, Jordan Peterson mentioned the thousand mini-retreats. This is a phenomenon which has allowed the welfare state, immigration, insanity, the trans fad, climate alarmism, and green energy scams to take root in our society. And that's not a complete list. It goes like this. A person or persons pitch an idea to a loud, immature audience. For example, the idea that you can be another gender. You can't. Everyone knows you can't. Even the people who jump on board immediately with such a silly notion... No, you can't. The collective idiocy grows as advocates of the concept simply change the meaning of language to create a phony logic that promotes the stupid idea. Often these new terms are so over the top, normal people stand gobsmacked that anyone would accept the terms. And the truth is, no one does. They just pretend to. But advocates of the stupidity insist on using the terms like, quote, gender-affirming care, unquote, and cry and scream until school boards and governments, often filled with the same stupid people we're discussing now, find in the stupidity a chance to exercise new controls over people, primarily by forcing them to adapt to the new and remarkably stupid terminology. Think about it. If you can use the color of authority to cause adults to use terms like 
gender-affirming care when talking about denying and pretending to change a person's actual gender, you can do absolutely anything. And the first time any of the 99.99% of us that flatly reject the concept of changing genders uses that term, that's a mini-retreat. The stupidity advances further into our lives. The social mania is mistaken for popularity, so more of the weaker among us jump on board to be popular. And the pattern repeats. Even before gender-affirming care was concocted, there were already hundreds of bullshit terms being hatched, mostly by social media clowns and being thrown into our lexicon. And it all started when the first quack offered the first adult male sex change surgery to fulfill his personal kink to see himself as a woman. Now the kink is being foisted on our kids, and they are being mutilated for the entertainment of twisted parents and educators, or for the validation of those who had ruined their own lives previously. The retreats have been so broad and repeated, we now have fucking laws in states and cities that say if you don't let your boy be a girl, you're an abusive parent and can lose custody of your own child. If you had described that scenario to anyone in 2013 and said it would be here by 2023, you'd have been laughed out of the least intelligent company. But here we are. So then, what of other imbecilic terms like minor attracted person to romanticize the image of pedophiles? And school books showing adolescent boys blowing adult men. Would I be crazy to say that in 2033, we will have sex clubs for pedos and kids targeted up as controlled, safe environments where different generations can explore their mutual attraction. We have a society already that increasingly says, you can lose your daughter to the state if you don't let a quack cut her tits off. How much of a leap would it be to say 40-year-old men should be free to have sex with your kids? Not only must the many retreats in the face of this stop, we need to go on the offensive to regain lost ground. Or mark my words, 2033 will happen. As we continue to retreat, the only possible inaccuracy of my prediction is whether it will actually take until 2033. The same assessment applied to energy. This is for woodworkers and people who love them. I've been making sawdust for 40 years. My first big wood project was a dining room table. It was the ugliest thing you ever saw. If you put a jug of milk on the table, everyone had to wait for the table to stop wobbling before they could eat. But I kept at it. Within a few years, I'd made an oak bedroom set, a four-poster bed with turn posts, and a complete living room set, all as gifts. I've made tons of yard games and smaller gifts over the years. I even earned an income from woodworking from time to time. 
I never mastered an organized approach to my projects. Most of my drawings were in my head. My cut calculations are crude. And what is on paper looks like cave drawings that only I can understand. So this year I'm going in a new direction. I will use Ted's Woodworking Resource. It's a massive collection of clean, concise plans and hold you by the hand instructions. 16,000 plans. Whether you want to make the best gifts for people you love or you want to actually pursue woodworking as a living, this resource will provide you with the grounding, guidance, and work habits that will put your projects into overdrive. Less hassle, less cussing, if you're like me, and time saved. So woodworkers and soon-to-be woodworkers, scroll to the picture in the transcript and grab this lifesaver. And so it is in the area of energy production. People seeking fame and attention make up wild, undocumented claims and then cook the data, add absurd assumptions, and get noticed. Stupid, childish, worthless ideas stand in the way of what this country must establish quickly. We know what works. Coal, oil, natural gas, and nuke. They work. Period. They're responsible for advancing our civilization, technology, medicine, and cleanliness to create the life we know today. Without those things, you have none of that. We're talking Mad Max shit here. By eliminating those things in the future, what Fuzznuts call zero emissions, you have Mad Max plus a few minutes of power per day. That's because the energy alternatives we are wasting trillions of dollars of our wealth on today don't work. But every passing week, the people who know they don't work make one mini-retreat after another. Why? Dr. Ruth Curry is a climatologist with 40 years' experience studying real numbers. She makes a good point as to why the climate scam and ultimately the green energy scams continue to gain momentum. Opportunists see the con that they can run based on the data. A whole market sector has been created from the hockey stick graph, the author of which admitted he spiked the data because he wanted people to pay attention to his more general claims of pending disaster, none of which have ever happened. Supporting the sector are thousands of, quote, scientists who are, as Dr. Curry says, professionally vested in keeping the con alive. And the sector owns politician and Instagram clowns who will channel Greta Thunberg, question them even as a matter of degree, and they will shout you down. If they can't shout you down, they'll go after your career. So the many retreats continue. This despite the fact that most of the people shouting down the reasonable people, know themselves that climate alarmism is pure nonsense. If the worst predictions of the climate nuts came to pass over the next hundred years, it would be a general nuisance for humanity. It wouldn't be an existential threat. And there's not a swinging dick on the planet who can say with any certainty if any of the predictions will come true. 
So far, their batting average is about .001. And in homage to this nonsense, we have tinker toys like wind farms and solar farms. The bullshit flowing through the media to support the tinker toys is laughable. I've seen propaganda stating the U.S. is now powered 12% by wind and solar. I've seen one claim as high as 20%. This, despite the fact that we have only a few minutes of capacity across the entire country from these sources at any given time. So how do they arrive at the 12% figure? Well, they record the power being released to the grid when the power from the batteries is being demanded. We'll say a wind farm in Texas produces X megawatts when the batteries are discharging. The local grid is demanding just over 10 times that amount. You can then conclude that the wind farm, for that controlled period of time, provided 12% of the energy needed. But it won't be able to do it again until the batteries are recharged and it's ready to go again. There can be a running charge discharge process put in place. But then the percentage comes nowhere near 12% of anything. And it never will. Not with wind, not with solar. There's not enough lithium on the planet to bring entirely to the United States and make enough batteries to run the power grid for four hours a day, even if you covered the nation in windmills. Wind is not a reliable commodity, and the sun doesn't shine 24-7. Put those three true statements together, and what you are being told is a reliable alternative energy becomes a sick joke. But that isn't stopping the political whores and the cronies they feed with your tax dollars from charging headlong into the green scam projects. None of these projects will work reliably. They will be many times more expensive to operate than we've been told, and they will ultimately lose their value. And then they'll be left to rot into the landscape, polluting the ground. They will be monuments to our stupidity. But let someone with a larger market reach than me say these things, and they will be shouted down, slandered, doxxed, canceled. And the people doing the doxing and the canceling, by and large, will know that what I'm saying right now is true. But these words hurt their bottom line or their personal coolness experience. There's huge money, hundreds of billions, now trillions of dollars washing through the economy, waiting to be scooped up by the green scam industry to build the monuments. Coal plants are being shut down and immediately dismantled at your expense, not the plant owners, and replaced with the Tinker Toys. The Tinker Toys are either being built locally where they likely won't work at all, or the Tinker Toy energy is being brought by transmission lines over huge distances. The power loss just at transmission makes the concept a complete waste of time and your money. In other words, the coal plants are not being replaced at all. If we were building nuke plants, large and small, and then tearing down the reliable but dirty coal facilities, that would be a good thing. But we are not. 
So we are killing our energy grid. The politicians are doing this to you intentionally. But there is so much money to be made, so many childish and emotional voters to please, the government, big banks, the companies they support, will say anything to keep the scam alive. When the price of wind and solar turns out to be three, four, or five times what you've been told it would be, these crooks will still be there to scoop up all the money. Here's the worst insult of all. If I am right, and we don't fight back, energy costs for you will become untenable. Then the government will step in. But they won't be stepping in to finally correct the problem they caused. No, they will double down and announce that they will save you by further subsidizing the failed wind and solar schemes with your tax dollars. Then, of course, as with all things subsidized, it will continue to be more expensive every year, regardless of real costs. It will work exactly like the college cost scam works. If you're in your 60s and you don't fight back, you will live to see all this play out. One of the most direct ways the P4B is supported is through Poe River Furniture and Yard Games. I won't get too specific about who runs Poe River, but he's really good looking and his initials are Matt Jordan. There are a number of one-of-a-kind pieces that I created, including very nice wine stoppers and what I call recycled pallet art. There's also a huge selection of gifts that I designed and had made off-site. Occasionally, you will see yard games listed. That will depend on how often this podcast allows me to be in the shop. I'll leave a link or a button below so you can shop Poe River. If this were still the world of 2019, and we were going to stay that prosperous and continue growing economically, then the energy scams would just be graphed on a huge scale. Eventually, it would piss us off, and we'd finally make the mature shift to nuclear energy. But we don't live in the world of 2019. 2019 was the year of the economic peak of the baby boomers' generation's consumption. And when global markets were still fully functional. It's all downhill from here. At a time when we can't afford to make bad decisions about where to put our efforts, scam artists and your government are putting you on a rocket sled to hell. The time and the national treasure wasted on the Tinker Toys will make building a proper energy infrastructure later much more difficult than it needs to be, if not impossible. The clock is ticking. And while propagandists are using ESG to control you and corporate America and forcing us to swallow this universally stupid green energy crap, they are actively destroying the, quote, pristine nature, unquote, they've been crying about over the last century. Now they say, hey, fuck the trees and the grassland and the coastal waters and the fisheries. There's money to be made. 
and the virtue signaling former tree huggers who aren't in on the action are going to get screwed right along with the rest of us. Consider this from the previous post. There's a picture in the text. Take a good look at the picture above. It's from nature.com. Look at the view in the background, now spoiled by a wind farm. Funny how the very people who have always talked about keeping our wilderness pristine and not defacing nature now want to blanket the fruited plain with these wretched tinker toys. There are areas of the country where humans are not allowed to walk for fear of spoiling nature. But we can do this? What's worse, in 15 years, when the lack of value these things hold is fully understood, these monstrosities will be broken, rotting hulks, blighting our landscape from sea to shining sea. The battle then will be who is responsible to get rid of them all. How many billions will that cost? To be sure, the companies that scammed our tax dollars to build them will have declared bankruptcy and washed their hands of it all. Nah, who cares? We just spent $4.5 for, quote, infrastructure and, quote, inflation fighting, which do nothing for what either title suggests. In fact, just last week, Al Gore made a truth poopy and stated out loud the inflation bill was, in reality, a green scam bill. And oh, by the way, in 2009, Barry Hussein spent $80 billion to convert us to a green economy. What happened to all that money? Who got it? We know a bunch of his donors opened a phony energy company, took billions, and then split with the money. That was Solyndra. Certainly, we've never seen $80 billion worth of value. If we did, there'd be wind turbines and solar panels on every median of every highway in the country. $80 billion. By this time, we should be up to our eyeballs in old batteries and solar panels we can't get rid of. That is definitely our future now. Wind is not infinite. I've been telling people for years, wind is a form of energy. While you cannot destroy that energy, you can convert it. That's what wind turbines do. They convert wind, kinetic energy, to mechanical energy, and then into electrical energy. But no one asks, what happens to the wind? And that's where the problems with wind farms immediately cascade. The Nature.com article demonstrates that wind farms on land and at sea compete with each other to capture wind. If you put up a multi-billion dollar wind farm intending to grab the prevailing winds, and I put one as many as 10 miles upwind of yours, your turbines do not run at capacity. They will not generate the electricity they were designed to put out. If you have a wind farm with more than one row of pinwheels facing the wind, the second row is less efficient, as is then the third row, and so on. When someone else puts up a wind farm upwind from me, now my turbines are crippled. And so it is going today. This alone should point out the folly of wind power on an industrial level. We've been told that wind is a natural 
an unlimited source of power, but it's not. It's very limited, and it's notoriously unreliable, even without the competing tinker toys tugging at it. More important than wind scammers robbing each other of the primary resource, there are natural considerations at work here. Surface winds have a very important job to do. Soil, seeds, bugs, birds, and the green holy of holies, temperatures, rely heavily on the natural movement of surface winds. Nature.com reports that downwind of a large wind farm can see productive winds substantially reduced as far away as 50 kilometers, as 31 miles. The scammers and their cheerleaders want to build wind farms all over the United States. This must not happen. It's ugly. It's unreliable. It's self-defeating. End of excerpt. I have a restless entrepreneurial spirit. Over the years, I've had lots of side hustles I used to bulk up my income. I drove rideshare, delivered food, worked as a courier, investigated auto accidents for insurance companies. I even sold satellite dishes when they were offering 20 channels and required a degree in engineering to operate. What I liked about all those gigs was I worked when I wanted to. Sometimes I had three going at a time. I wish I had happened across this kind of a thing back then. I'd have saved thousands of miles on my vehicle and had a far easier go of it. Social sale rep is a gig worker's dream. Companies are turning more and more to this type of arrangement to maintain their online presence and churn dollars. And it offers a degree of anonymity to the tech assist or the salesperson who's actually doing the work. And the hiring signs are out everywhere. So if you can type and be nice to people, scroll down through the transcript and click on the pic. Also in a previous post, I spoke at length about the hypocrisy mixed with mind-blowing lying and stupidity at work on the East Coast. They're already starting to build insanely large wind monsters right off the beaches from New York to North Carolina. The biggest lie being told is they will be so far out to sea you'll hardly be able to see them. Copper is expensive and attenuated energy transmits through conduit inefficiently. These huge structures will be placed as close to the shoreline as possible to offset those two facts. They will blight the immediate coastline as the picture above blights our landscapes. In my article about coastal blight, I went into detail about how our fisheries will be destroyed. We're already killing whales and dolphins. That will continue for the foreseeable future. These monstrosities will negatively impact sea mammals for as long as they exist. I'll leave a link to that article. I highly encourage you to read it. Solutions. What this country needs is natural gas and nuclear power. 
The nukes can be large conventional reactors or as often as possible, small thorium LFTR reactors, lifter reactors. Everywhere stupid people tell us we need a huge wind farm, drop a lifter instead. It'll take up less than one one hundredth of the space and will generate more energy more reliably 24-7 whether the wind blows or not. The most efficient and reliable form of energy on the planet is nuclear. We should have kicked our plant construction into high gear 10 years ago. Despite the scary scenarios the naysayers like to point out, nuclear energy has been by far the safest compared to its conventional counterparts for the entirety of its existence. Consider the age of existing plants. Consider the technology in play. If we could build plants that work that well in the 1960s and 70s that continue to function with the technology available then, consider the possibilities now. Our knowledge and our electronics have seen tens of generations of advancement. Safety and redundancy in today's plants would be child's play compared to the difficulty and complexity it presented the early nuclear industry. We should be able to build dozens of plants over the next decade, by which time they will only be 20 years late to the game. If we go all in for stupid tinker toys, those plants may never get built, and we need them. All reasonable people can see the logic of it. But for the big plants, you need water and plenty of it. In some places, that might not be a problem. In the southwest, new nuke power plants would be impossible. There, a once impressive water supply has been squandered by piss-poor planning and whorish politics. Here's another place where lifter technology shines. In areas where water is scarce, use lifters to desalinate. Where their power grid is being overwhelmed, lifters can be a relatively cheap answer. The naysayers of lifter technology argue that the problems faced in the 50s and 60s are a problem today. Well, the Chinese seem to have solved those problems. Being that it's now 2023 and our technology and metallurgy have advanced just a tad, solving those problems turns out to be a non-issue. As with my earlier comparison to child grooming and mutilation, we are past the time to stop the many retreats and to go on the offensive. Take back our nation. We must go on the offensive now. We must call out with a unified voice the stupidity unfolding before our eyes. If half the country stops worrying about being cool, then we can't be canceled. And it is far more than half the country that knows what I'm saying is true. It just takes the tiniest bit of guts and grit to start fighting back. Get hot on social media. Hell, start by sharing this podcast across your account. Slam the Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn accounts of every politician from your mayor to your House and Senate representatives all the way up to the White House. Slam them with demands they stop the nonsense. Link articles demonstrating the bullshit behind the green scams. 
Shame them into action if you have to. And you will have to. Get with your friends and join the Energy Revolt. I'll leave a link to go there. Or chalk your car windows or slap a couple magnets and drive 40 miles an hour down a major interstate or highway in your area. Take all but one lane. Do it together. Maybe one day, 30,000 of us can take a nice leisurely drive through one of your major cities right around 4 p.m. We'll catch all the local sites. At social gatherings, stop retreating. When someone says windmills and solar cells are great, call them on it. But oh, you don't want to have conflict at social gatherings, right? That's just what these people are counting on. The pattern has been there since hippies roamed the planet. Meathead says something ridiculous. Perhaps in this case that wind turbines provide 12% of our energy. Then if you speak up, Meathead goes batshit and the room thinks you're a jerk for upsetting the Meathead. Let the idiots in their room think it. But there will be people who get it. Give yourself permission to stand your ground. The economy, our food supply, our cities, our survival as a healthy nation depend on truly reliable and abundant energy, not hyper-expensive, unreliable, tinker-toy fantasies. Footnote 1. When discussing Obama's conversion to a green energy economy, as with all the bloated, worthless spending Barry and Biden have ushered in, the $80 billion was touted as the final answer to green energy requirements. Literally the day after it passed, the talking point was issued by the White House saying the $80 billion was just a down payment. And good people retreated just a little again. Be sure to use all the buttons at the top and bottom of the text. We live and die by the share and subscribe buttons. Send inquiries to poriverproductions at gmail.com. Thank you very much for joining us today.